This is Heavy Eyes, a show about the films and sometimes TV I fall asleep on. I'm host, author slash screenwriter, something, something, Pennysworth or rather, and if you listened to the last two weeks' episodes, you know I started my four-part miniseries about the Fast and Furious franchise, or Fast Saga, if you're in the family. I gave a masterful scene-by-scene breakdown on how I would end the Fast Saga with its final two films, Ten Fast, Ten Furious, and Dom, the 11th and final chapter of the Fast Saga. Those films also set up possible spin-offs with Roman, Tej, and Ramsey being a part of the Men in Black and Dom's son, Brian Toretto, wanting to go to wizard school. Also, Mr. Nobody mentioning that there could be monsters lurking out there. So who knows, maybe Jacob Toretto becomes a monster hunter. Anyways, I said last week that I may or may not get directly to the next entry of my Fast series, and as you can tell by the title, I'm not. I'm extremely late with all my movie rankings and things of that nature, so I thought this week I'd rank all the MCU projects that released last year so that I can then talk about all the MCU projects I'm excited for this year with Moon Knight coming soon. But guess what? Listeners, today we are joined by Leo B alumni, Leo Archibald, or at least Leo Archibald for now. He's here breaking down his MCU rankings as well, so stay tuned. I'm going to go actually write down my list real quick, and I'll be back after a break with our 2021 MCU rankings. In the meantime, enjoy a snippet of this song by... That car almost hit me. Alright, this is Leo Archibald and I am here on to talk to you about everything MCU. So when I mean everything, I mean on everything that came with the MCU last year. So we're going to rank those. We're talking TV shows. We're talking movies. Did I mention that we're talking movies and that we're talking TV shows? Well, if I didn't, we are. So I'm going to give you my rankings list of the best MCU movies to drop last year in order from worst to best. And then I am going to talk to you about the movies that dropped last year. And I'm talking from worst to best. There was four movies that came out last year, five TV shows. So I'm just listing in order the shows and the movies, which ones I'm most excited for. So we're gonna rank that from least excited about all the way up to number one, which is most excited about. All right, and before I go any further, you know it wouldn't be me if I don't get off subject, but here we go. I'm thinking about shortening my name to just Archie. Not sure completely yet. Uh, Shout out to Riverdale, but I might call myself Archie or the Black Archie. I don't know. So I just need everybody to wait on pins and needles as I either confirm or don't confirm that happening. All right. Anyways, let's jump into some rankings of MCU shenanigans. I almost said nonsense, but I ain't going to disrespect the MCU like that. Let's start off with ranking them TV shows from last year. Coming in at number five, because like I said, there was five of them Johns. 
and your fifth best MCU show of 2021 was The Falcon. Oh, I pronounced that weird. The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, I put the one show that has a black lead fifth. I'm sorry, but the truth is the truth. Uh, Sam becoming uh, Black Cap is cool. I'm fine with it. The camaraderie between Sam and Bucky, Old Falcon, Winter Soldier, um, Papa Doc from Eight Mile going up against Tammy from Pam and Tammy. I was cool with it. They made me laugh. They showed that they got some chemistry. Cool. They showed they could carry a show. Cool. I just, just when it comes to how how much I enjoyed it compared to the other ones, came last. The whole broker twist called it from the beginning, so I wasn't too impressed. Uh, what they did with, what's his name? Baron, Baron Van, what's his name? Purple Hood, Purple Face, whatever, um, whatever his name is. I'm blanking on that, but y'all know who I'm talking about. His villain, villainy, 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 is that a word? Villainy arc, based off where it came from in Civil War, I didn't... Didn't like where they took it per se, but it was cool. Uh, seeing knockoff Captain America play a big role in this, you know, eventually turn into the U.S. agent at the end. It was cool with the storyline. It was all cool. It just didn't take it to the next level like what I usually get with Marvel stuff. Um, the end, you know, the big speech from Black Cap. I was cool with it. You know, I think it was really timely. We needed it. But on entertainment level... It just didn't hit where the other MCU properties hit. So it comes in at number five. Number four, we got Hawkeye. OG Avenger finally getting his own show. It's like a, a almost a passing of the baton to Kate Bishop. I enjoyed it. I thought seeing, uh, seeing Hawkeye just play a lead and seeing what his skill set could do in a lead capacity, it was cool. Get some entertaining stuff with the arrows, uh, especially when you bring in Kate Bishop and her dialogue with just, you know, the arrows are just the whole hero lifestyle or just trying to pick Hawkeye's brain. I thought she was entertaining. I thought, again, the chemistry between them two, entertaining. Um, I thought the, the the bringing in of Kingpin into this world via Hawkeye I thought was something to look forward to. I like the teases. I like, you know, I'm a big fan of Vera Farmiga, so just seeing her finally come into the MCU was a fan. Florence Pugh killed it as, what was her name, Yelena? Uh Black Widow's sister, bringing her in and seeing how her and Haley Stein, Steinfeld, Stein, Steinfeld, I pronounced her last name, seeing how they interacted on screen with each, uh, with each other and seeing the possibilities that could come up with her character uh, and Yelena, you know, they might get their own little thing down the road. I just thought that was all handled well. I thought the action was handled well. You know, the bridge scene with the, you know, the arrow getting all big and and whatnot at the end there. I thought that scene was, I thought that scene was entertaining. I thought what we got from Ronan was entertaining. You know, then they just dropped the ball some places. Like they make this big deal about the watch. We get it. That was we find out at the end. That was Mockingjay, I believe her name was. No, Mockingbird. Sorry, not to be confused with. Uh, Katniss, Mockingbird. You know, we've seen her, seen an iteration of that character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, but this time we find out that Hawkeye's wife was the MCU's version of Mockingbird. So that was cool, but, like, it just didn't match the build-up. Uh, seeing Hawkeye and seeing how much his family plays into his mindset and what he's got going on, like, obviously we've seen that before, especially with Endgame, but just seeing it play out here... Uh, was dope just for his character development and just seeing 
just getting more getting more uh, idea who Hawkeye or Clint Barton really is. So I thought that was dope. But again, just certain aspects when it comes to entertainment and spectacle and story, we just didn't get that to the highest power here. Uh, you know, an Echo, like, you know, our character was cool, but I really don't need an Echo spinoff show. Like, if you start bringing Kingpin and Daredevil and these side people in, cool. But I really don't need no, I don't need no spinoff, but that's just me. Uh, coming in at number three on my TV show list is what if dot, 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 question mark. I was thoroughly surprised by this. You know, I thought it was just going to be a, uh, not a palate cleanser, but just something different. Like, here's something MCU characters that you've seen before, but here's how it might have played off if we went in a different direction. Just something fun. That's what I thought it was going to be. But then you get these cool, uh, these cool animations, like with Doctor Strange's episode, um, you even see they're able to take the character of Killmonger, because I thought he was one of the best characters and villains in the MCU, uh, but I, I like where his story went and where it ended, but how they were able to still build upon that in the storyline that they did, I thought was dope, like, they added to him being the best villain, like, his storyline with Iron Man, I thought how they made him act, and that was dope, and then in the end, where you know, the, what is it, the uh, the multiverse, or Guardians of the Multiverse, where he played a part in that, and where his character went in there, and uh, the, 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 the Infinity Stones, Ultron, like just, I thought what they did with that, uh, his character there was just dope, um, but now we're starting to learn that we might see these characters on the big screen, or in a TV show, just like in person, see those variants in that that capacity or we might we might see some of these storylines play out in a different way down the line like what I thought it was going to be and what it seems like or what the possibilities of it seem like now I just think it's dope and then again I'm always down with getting more of Peggy Carter shout out to Haley Atwell uh, I'm always down with getting some cool looking animation cool storylines and I definitely think that's what what if surprisingly in my opinion did here Coming in at number two, this was tough. Because we got two great MCU shows, like two clear-cut number ones. I don't like that sound. I'm doing that with my fingers and my leg. That is a weird sound I just made. But that to me, there's two clear-cut options for your number one show, and that is WandaVision and Loki. But which one did I say was number two? Which one did I say was second best? And it was tough. I went with Loki. Loki, I thought, I thought was just, the experience of watching the show was just phenomenal. Because that's one thing I really love about Marvel is not only do I think they do an exceptionally, exceptionally, exceptionally well job when it comes to creating interesting storylines, but they just create interesting plots in general. And we could all say they're generic, blah, 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 blah. They go through the same, they hit the same bullet points in every movie. It's just with different people and different set pieces. Yeah, I get all that, but I don't have a problem. Because to me, I think that's just, that's a cop-out. That's just a way to hate. Because I feel like Marvel, yes, they do They do have a, a, a way of doing things that seem similar. But within all that, there's still a lot of difference. It's still things feel very unique. You know, there's still things that can be improved on, but 
you're just watching these movies, you're watching these characters, you're seeing the, the amount of humor that's thrown in there, you're seeing the amount of cool action that's thrown in there, you're just, you're seeing characters that just interact in a way that is easy to watch and enjoyable to follow, that just makes every viewing experience enjoyable and you just don't, you don't fill the time. Like when I, when I watch Endgame, you see three hours. I don't feel three hours when I watch it. It flies by. You know, but then we go see the new Batman. And don't get me wrong, great movie. But you feel that three hours at certain times. And I just think it's just the way that Marvel has structured how they do movies. And, you know, to get to the, the nitty gritty with the details and all the nerd movie jargon. I probably can't get to you right now off the cuff. But just watch those movies and compare it to other movies. You're just like, for some reason, these movies are just entertaining. But I might be biased, but whatever. But going back to Loki, like I said, the journey, the process of watching the show is so fun because you're watching it. You're like, okay, I'm starting to get these theories in my head. You see people online getting theories. We're all sharing and we're coming up with, you know, what could be this? Who could be this? Who could be this other Loki to start the show out? I was kind of surprised they went in that direction, even though if you paid attention to the, the show being created, you would have knew that, but whatever. Um, I was kind of thrown off by that. Then you find out who that Loki is, and then you find out about the TVA, and who, who, Ravina? Is that her name? Ravina? Whoever the curly hair girl was in the show. I'm Just let everybody know I am the worst with character names. I could give you an actor's name for days, but character's names horrible with uh so her character like is she a good guy is she a bad guy what's her background who is she give us details we we learned that along the way it's like they keep they keep us guessing but it's so fluid and it just it elevates all the way until where we're just trying to guess who is this big baddie that they're teasing to reveal at the end you know we're saying yo we want kang but is it really gonna be kang and then they to me they find the best way to present present us this character by presenting us this character but a variant of this character just so we can see get an idea what to expect you know we get the actor who's going to play Kang but he's he he who remains in this one and so we get to see okay get an idea of what this villain is going to be like but also have no idea and be kind of become be thrown off completely when we see him again because he's going to be completely different so just if you watch the show, you kind of know what I'm talking about, and you just know how He Who Remains slash Kang was presented, and it was just dope to see just the idea that they went with, with revealing that, revealing a lot, but then also giving us a hint, like, we didn't really reveal that much. So once we see him again, which I believe is in, what, the next Ant-Man movie, we should get a whole different Kang, but still have an idea of the Kang that we're dealing with. So I just think how they built up through every big reveal and every Easter egg and just every plot that we were all anticipating plot point throughout the show that we were anticipating. I thought they handled that well. And they just made a show that you couldn't marathon because you couldn't binge it. It was week to week. That's how you do a week to week experience. Like that is phenomenal. So kudos to Marvel for jumping in the game. One of their early shows and capturing that. But the funny thing is, they captured that very well on the first go-around, and that was my number one show, and that's WandaVision. I will say that WandaVision, its build-up did not, or its end did not meet its build-up. 
But that's only because this was our first time out the gate. The buildup was so strong. Again, everybody was getting online, throwing out theories, guessing, paying close attention to everything in the show once things got going. Like, it just, it, it, was, it was setting up a lot. And that's hard to meet. So, unfortunately, we would have had to see something crazy happen, like, actually see one of those big, overarching, bad villains that everybody was guessing actually be there in the end. That would probably be the only way that would have met it, but it's whole thing with Agatha and finally getting the true reveal of Scarlet Witch, not just Wanda, and seeing those powers into play and seeing the Darkhold really kind of get introduced to this character and how it might affect her going forward, especially in uh, this next Doctor Strange that we got coming out. Seeing Ultron, not Ultron, I'm sorry, Vision and how he played a role with this and, and ultimately where he stood in the end, seeing what this world that she built was and how it actually came to be. Like everything that Loki had, WandaVision started that. And I thought that even though it might not have hit the it hit the, the, the end marker as well as Loki did, I think its setup process in between was so good. Like every episode being a different style sitcom didn't so that at that point it went along well with the story because you don't know what to expect. You don't know how this type of genre sitcom is going to play into the plot and the characters and where it's going to go and when things are going to get weird. And you're just always, especially at the beginning, you're just asking yourself, what am I watching? But to me, it was in a good way. And then when things start going and they started treading more into that MCU fashion, you get that the side of the MCU that you enjoy, all while seeing these things that you've been looking for to get revealed, get revealed, all while having fun, all while guessing, okay, how is this going to lead into connection points with other properties in the MCU? Like, the way the MCU, man, why they just able to create these singular stories all while piecing together this story to a bigger puzzle and let all these actors and characters just play around so often in each other's worlds, man. This is just awesome, man. Like, so big shout out to the MCU. Like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep gassing them up until they stop deciding to make movies because at this rate, you can't convince me that they're gonna have a bad run. I just don't see it. So, to me, WandaVision was the best, not only the best MCU show of last year, but it was one of the best TV shows in general. Should have won a lot more award awards. Elizabeth Olsen should have won some more awards. She bodied it. Um, Catherine Hahn. Is that her? Why? Every, every time I say stuff out loud in front of a microphone, it comes out and it just sounds so incorrect. Whew, that must be a confidence thing. I don't know what that is, but anyways, she killed it. I thought she should have won more awards. You don't even get me started on the song. Like, I just think more praise universally, critically, awards, season-y, just should have been thrown at that show. But what do I know? I don't know nothing. All right, so we're done with the shows. WandaVision, number one show of uh, the MCU for 2021. We'll see what uh, we get from TV this year. But let's take it to the movies now. First up, because we have four of them joins. First up, joins? Johns? Hey, I'm acting like I ain't from Philly. Uh, so we got four of them Johns coming in at number four. Had to have been Eternals. Don't get me wrong. Great movie. Great cast. I like to see teams in the MCU because we I think we've seen it done well so far. Uh, I like this little epic spectacle that it was. It felt different. 
than other Marvel movies, especially in the buildup. So I was looking forward to seeing how it played out. Uh, it was long, definitely felt long at some points, definitely struggled to get to the finish line at certain points compared to others, but I think the end product was still enjoyable. I like the twist at the end with Icarus. Spoiler alert, won't say it for you just in case you haven't listened to it, but I will spoil it by saying he is a part of a spoiler in the movie. Big spoiler. How that played out, I thought was dope. Uh, I thought the just seeing how the team played a role in history, I thought that was cool. I thought it could have been better. I thought it could have been funner, if that's a word that I want to use. I just thought it could have been, like, cinematically, I thought it could have been done a lot better. And it just in a, a greater way that would have been more enjoyable but still got its point across whether I wanted to say, hey, the world is dark or whether this person had fun, whether this person lived a sad life on earth. I just felt like they could have played it better. See, in my head, I'm thinking Forrest Gump but for the MCU and in this style of movie. So if you, if you, if, if you understand what I'm saying, then, then you can kind of understand what I'm getting at. But that's what I would like to see. The third act... <sighs> wasn't the greatest um had one of a one of the more funnier moments of the movie that probably shouldn't been funny but i thought it was hilarious involving icarus again uh but just in totality of just what we were leading up to and what we got i just it just felt it just felt like it was it should have been left on the cutting room floors like they had options some dropped on the floor and then for some reason they picked this one up and tried their best to do what they could with it before it needed to come out. It sounds weird, but that's just how it was to me. Uh, but I thought it was dope that we got our first, uh, I guess, audio confirm not confirmation, but audio something of Blade, however you want to call it. I thought that was dope. Um, if you're a Harry Styles fan, seeing him join the MCU was probably cool for y'all. Uh, but I was more down or I was more entertained by the fact that okay we get to see Thanos's brother and you know see how different they are but maybe we'll get more uh more intel and in Thanos and his thought process but it's going to be cool to see okay we had this big overarching villain from the last saga now we get his brother in this one how is he going to play into the story and what what how is his power set going to play into the stories going forward like it's a lot of interesting stuff they set up but again just on viewing factor just didn't line up with the other three for me but coming in at number three we got shang chi or shang chi and the legend of the ten rings ain't gonna lie to you when they announced this movie i was hoping it was the raid but with a marvel studios banner at the top uh, that's just what i wanted like i think the way that the choreography is done in like movies like you know just indonesian films or just just Asian films in general, the way they they make the choreography a character, they make it a backdrop, they make it a part of the story. They just do it so well that you don't need anything else. Like all you need is these two people fighting in a room. Like, yeah, you might need some weapons here and there, but you just need that creativity that comes out when they start, when they start throwing them hands and them feet. Like it's just, it's just amazing to watch. So basically, I was hoping that that type of style would find its way into the MCU. And in a way, it did. But still, I think they started to focus on more of the the, the uh, 
the visual spectacle as opposed to the one-on-one between character and character spectacle like the end i didn't need i didn't need no dragon i didn't need none of that at the end i would have just been cool with seeing shang chi go against the mandarin with the rings and like don't like a cliff or something or just in a room i would have been like that like if you would have made the fight scene that good and with just limited stuff around i'd have been cool with that but you know it comes with the territory uh, i do like what they did with this Mandarin and how they made, how they kind of tried to go about giving people what they wanted the first time around because they hit us with the twist in Iron Man 3, which I was cool with, but now trying to show him like, okay, he's not this goofy, uh, this goofy actor, like he's actually a real person. This is, this is his story. So I thought that was dope seeing that in the MCU. Aquafina's voice wasn't as annoying as I usually find her. She was more tolerable in this movie, so that was cool. Um, so, yeah, Shang-Chi coming in at number, what I say, three? All right, number two, Black Widow. Hey, man, she had to come in at number two. She had to get her swan song, OG Avenger, finally get some intel into her past. Uh, Scarlett Johansson put in all this work. It was cool to just see her get this movie, but then it was also cool to see Natasha's family that we haven't really learned much about. Um, where she comes from, how the Red Room played into her upbringing as this, this assassin, just everything from her backdrop. It was just dope to finally get some, get some more intel on it, be able to put like visuals to thoughts and stories and you know, learn about her sister, which is, we get a great actress, actress in Florence Pugh, see her join the MCU, and see her bounce off of another great actress like Scarlett Johansson, and them interacting with their quote-unquote family, you know, with the Red Guardian, and Daniel Craig's wife, I'm forgetting her name right now, so just, again, just seeing all this, being able to put visuals to thoughts and stories, and build upon backgrounds that we've only heard slightly about just again actually be able to see it with our eyes and see it play out was more what i enjoyed from it but what i really didn't like is taskmaster task taskmaster yeah i didn't like that you they had so much ample opportunity to make that villain really cool and i feel like they just dropped the ball severely i'm not gonna go into detail but that was only that was where i would have a complaint a big complaint. But coming in at number one, this is easy. I'm not even going to delve too much into this. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, we all saw the movie. We saw the buildup. We saw the fandom that ensued when it came out. It brought people basically back to the movies during COVID. We was all sitting in that theater, masks off, munching popcorn, sipping our icy, sipping our pops, eating our candy, down in these nachos, breathing each other's air for two and a half to three hours like it was nothing because we wanted to see this. We knew all the Spider-Mans was going to be on there. That was the worst kept secret, but it was also just amazing because they never confirmed it for us. So the joy was still there when Andrew Garfield came walking out of that portal. The joy was still there when Tobey Maguire looked old as all get out when he came out of that portal. Man, just seeing Jamie Foxx and 
Doc Ock, forgetting that actor's name, Alfred Molina, I'm sorry, uh, William Defoe back as Green Goblin, and seeing he still got that menace down to a pat. Like, I would love to see a full movie with Tom Holland's Spider-Man going against William Defoe's Green Goblin. It was that dope. I mean, we get Doctor Strange and him doing his thing in this movie and messing up, and now we're watching this movie, and we're just also thinking, like, yo, I cannot wait to see how this what the fallout is from his actions in his own movie. And then I thought it was also dope that they made the last post, uh, the last post credit scene, a little teaser trailer for that. Like that's perfect. Like you don't gotta go about creating no extra, extra scene for that. Like, no, you got the perfect extra scene and that's the trailer you've been working on this whole time. Perfect place to premiere. So glad they did that. Seeing Venom was cool, but I thought he was gonna be more into the actual story. Um, so, that kind of didn't deliver on the tease, but again, just seeing his cameo and seeing him kind of appear in this world is cool. Uh, just seeing all the things that they teased or showed us was just, it just lived up to the hype. And that's really hard to do after, so soon after Infinity War and Endgame. Like, to get people this excited for a Marvel movie when literally just, you're just coming from, coming behind two of the biggest movies that that ever existed that's that's some big shoes to fill and i think they handled it well so some of you guys should be very grateful that marvel has decided to work with you guys on whatever terms that y'all came up with that was leo archibald with his breakdown of his 2021 mcu rankings of their movies and tv shows even though our lists are different i can agree with his you can't really go wrong with the mcu list i also want to say that some people when they've done this list They've included Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and I'm just here to say, don't do that again. I don't want to see Morbius mixed in y'all's 2022 MCU rankings either. For 2021, I'm going to rank the MCU entries all together from 9 to 1, mixing the TV shows and the movies. Keep in mind that I liked all these shows and I actually liked some of them equally and the battle for the top spot was tough and can easily be swapped. At number 9, I sadly have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Again, I like this show, so a number 9 ranking ain't bad, and I actually realized I liked it more than I thought as time passed. It really just came down to the fact that I don't have any Funko Pops from this show yet. At number 8, I have Eternals. This movie had some of the best visuals out of all the movies, but was kind of long, and I just liked all the other MCU programming better than this one. And again, I liked it. What kept this movie from being number nine, though, is the Funko Pop counter, as I have two pops from this movie. I'll let y'all guess which ones. At seven is Black Widow. Let's be real. Only have one pop from this movie, and I bought it well before I seen it, and probably wouldn't have got it if I knew the twist. Upon seeing the movie, I tried to get a second one, but it was sold out, but I eventually got that character from a different MCU appearance. This 7th spot through 4th spot could all be mixed around for me because they were all good. At number 6, why do I keep saying number before I say number? Anyways, at number 6, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I gave this the slight edge over Black Widow because it was something different as it was a new character to the MCU and I enjoyed the fighting scenes. This is a real good ranking for a movie I have zero pops for. We are entering the top five with Hawkeye at number five. This was one of the shows that could be at any spot between four and seven, but I remember how much I enjoyed this show from week to week. 
It was a lighthearted action adventure Christmas show with Jeremy Renner's best Hawkeye performance to date and good performances from Haley Steinfeld and Florence Pugh. And from this show, I have one and a possible Funko Pops. At number four is a show that got bumped up because I have four pops from this show and it's called What If? I like this show. I like the twist on different ideas, but I like the most how they connected all the standalone episodes to each other in the last two episodes and showed just how powerful Ultron could be and also gave us more Killmonger, which I would like to see this variant return and become Black Panther. But at three, I low-key went with Loki. Another show I've anticipated from week to week, and it's a show that had big implications to the MCU and the effects are yet to be seen, but furthered the phase into the multiverse, which has been a big part of what they've been doing. And one Funko Pop. Now this is where it got tough. Two MCU projects left and both are great. This may sound crazy, but at number two, I have Spider-Man No Way Home. That obviously means WandaVision is my number one MCU project of 2021. A few factors played into why WandaVision is one and Spider-Man No Way Home is two. When I was first writing out my list, I had Spider-Man 1 because of how big of a spectacle it was, how good of a movie it was, the things they pulled off, and the performances of Tom Holland and Willem Dafoe. But then I was like, wait a minute. Only have one Spider-Man No Way Home pop but I have three WandaVision pops. Then I thought about the time WandaVision came out, how it gave us all something to look forward to, how it left us guessing after each episode, how creative we saw this show get, and how we finally got to see more of Wanda and who she is and see her really become Scarlet Witch. And it's one of the storylines that leads into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and we all see how crazy that movie looks and how many theories that movie's creating and part of it is the impact of scarlet witch and wandavision and that was my 2021 mcu rankings shout out to leo archibald he will be back next week giving us his rankings of the upcoming 2022 mcu projects in order of anticipation as will i just in time for the release of moon knight for more cool shows go to greyburnmedia.com or don't